Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. All right, I want to welcome everybody to our 288 campus, Friendswood campus, Alvin campus, Webster campus, Pearland campus, where you guys are about to start a second service next weekend. God bless you guys. I know that you, you need to go ahead. Yeah, give them a round of applause. It's so awesome. And everybody that's joining us in our online campus as well, hopefully when you came in the room today at your campus, you received one of these. Did you get one of these? Everybody get one of these? Okay. Uh, We're going to be taking communion at the end of the sermon today. If you did not get one between now and the end of the sermon, uh, I I would encourage you to go get one uh, near the doors and uh, there should be ushers or someone there with, or a basket or something there with some communion cups and I'm not saying go to the cafe. That's not what I said. Don't misinterpret (laughs) what I said here. I said go get you a communion cup. But uh, this is something that we make available every weekend, every campus, every service. Communion is always available. But uh, as I tell you guys, every now and then we just slow down in the service and take it together uh, and get our hearts right before God. This is one of of those weekends. Now... Let me give a flyover of where we are in our sermons because uh, we've had a number of new people join us. In fact, get this, last weekend, last weekend uh, at our, at our uh, uh, tailgates, at our campuses where our new people uh, are supposed to go, and, and sometimes they do, and uh, to, to learn more about our church, last weekend alone we had 53 new families show up at our tailgates, 53 new families, which is amazing. So welcome to everybody who is uh, brand new or kind of new with us. So glad that you're in our church family and and that you're here. Uh, Today, we're going to step back into uh, a a series that takes us into the book of John once again. And and we've been in the book of John before. This series is a continuation of a series of series as we have been uh, walking through the book of John. Uh, We took a detour for our Christmas series. We took a detour for our marriage series. Now we're back in the book of John. And as always, if anybody ever needs to catch up, you can go to our YouTube channel. Uh, These are the series and a sermon that we've had from the book of John so far. And just so you know, this is where we are. And there'll be one more series after this that'll take us up to Easter weekend. So uh, any of these, you can go back and watch them on uh, YouTube. And, and uh, if you were here with us on, on New Year's Day, we, uh, we were in John chapter 7. So that's where we left off. And there was sort of a shift going on in Jesus's ministry strategy. He had been trying not to get killed. Seriously, because so many people wanted to kill him. Do you realize that people wanted to kill Jesus ever since he was born? I mean, when King Herod tried to have him taken out, ever since he was born, there were people trying to kill him. But those efforts have only intensified as he became more and more popular with the people. Um, In John chapter 7, even though for a long time he's been avoiding certain situations, John chapter 7, we saw in that sermon, he just kind of went right into the heart of it and uh, still being careful, still being somewhat careful, but he is... He is not avoiding Jerusalem or those people anymore. He's going right there because uh, it's almost time. 
It's almost time as we'll see as we get back into this study now and then in the study after this. And um, since it's been a month of Sundays, literally, since we've been in the book of John, I want to uh, reset and remind everyone why John wrote the book of John. This is John chapter 20. He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So John said, I could have written more. could have been a longer book. So why did he write what he wrote? Verse 31. But I did write these things down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by what? Believing. Believing you may have life in his name. So in other words, John was deliberate about what he wrote so that we could have what we needed to know who Jesus is, what he came to do so that we could believe in him and have life in his name. And now I'm going to say something that would be a great spot for an amen. Okay, so like if you came to church today and you're like, man, I really want to say amen, but I just don't know where. I don't know when. I don't, I don't want to say it and it'd be the wrong time. Well, I'm about to say a line which would be a good spot in case that's you today uh, wanting to say amen. Here you go. The most important thing that a person could do in this lifetime is to place their belief in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, indeed. And uh, because it's the most important thing, it's something that you and I have to get right. And John helps us to get it right in the text today, as we will soon see. I want to begin by reading a familiar verse to a lot of people. But a lot of people may not even know that this comes out of the Bible. In fact, let me just check this uh, to see how many people know this verse. At least we'll do a fill in the blank, okay? So I'll say the first part of the verse. You say the last part if you know it. And you will know the truth, and the truth will? Okay, so you got it. You understand it. What people may not know, at least outside of the building maybe, is that these words were spoken by Jesus. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And this is kind of the heart of what we're going to talk about uh, today or Jesus's words. We'll put it in context in just a moment. But uh, to begin with, how many of you know that the world is very mixed up on the subject of truth right now? Anybody, anybody realize that? Yeah. So <clears throat> by way of illustration, this past week, this past week, I've heard someone say that uh, men can get pregnant. I've heard, I've heard someone say that men can menstruate, therefore they have in some bathrooms at universities and so forth, they have... Uh, feminine products in the men's bathrooms. I've heard someone say that Jesus loves abortion. I've heard someone say that people who identify as cats are cats. Okay, I could go on, but I'm just using what I've heard in the past week. And, uh, and you can hear all that stuff out there. Out there, outside of the walls of the building that you're seated in right now, you can hear all this kind of stuff. But thank you, God, that in here we get to hear the truth. And, um, and that's the way it's going to be till Jesus comes back. That's, so so uh, let me give you some truth. Men cannot get pregnant. Men cannot menstruate. Jesus is the author and creator of life, and he wants us to protect innocent life. He does not love abortion. And people who identify as cats are still people. <laughs> They're just very confused and probably need our prayers. All that to say, the world is mixed up. And if you pay attention to the world and what's going on in culture, it could be depressing. It could be depressing. 
In fact, when you think about it sometimes, if you do think about it, I don't blame you for not thinking about it if you don't. But you think, man, my kids, my grandkids, what kind of world? What kind of world? That, that right there can get depressing real quick until we remember that it's all a sign of the beginning of the end when Jesus will return. And a good question to ask is, is Jesus coming back a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it depends if a person is on the right side of belief or not. But I'm going to say something that I truly believe with all my heart. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, even as messed up as this world is and appears to be getting more messed up as the days go by, here's what I believe. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what a great time to be alive. What a, right now, right now, God chose you. God chose me. God chose our church family to be on this earth at this moment in time in all of human history. We're here. What a great time to be alive. And I say that because never before has the world been so confused about what truth is, at least in my lifetime. And never before in my lifetime has it been easier to distinguish the truth of God from the lies of this world. In fact, I think that there are probably millions of people, perhaps billions of people, who really, really want to know the truth. They want to know it deep down inside, especially when things go south, especially when things get difficult for them and they go through times of, of trials and, and things happening that, that are very uncomfortable or very devastating for them, that they want to know more. They want to know what the solid rock is. They want to know the truth. In fact, the, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that God has placed eternity in the hearts of mankind. So there's this God-shaped hole in us that wants to know, that wants to know God, that wants to know truth. And I think any time that somebody goes through something very devastating in their life, when they go through very difficult times, I believe that they are searching and more open to what God has for them. And I'm going to give you one example. Did you ever think that you would see NFL players, full teams on their knees on the field, not in protest, but to seek God's grace and mercy and healing? Do you ever think that would happen? It did happen. If you were watching Monday Night Football not too long ago, Damar Hamlin uh, guy, uh, he's a player for the Buffalo Bills, basically died on the field. And then the paramedics got out there and brought him back to life and took him away. But players and fans in the stands and millions watching on TV prayed for him. Even a TV analyst on ESPN, a network known for shutting off people when they start talking about the Lord, look for it on YouTube. Even on ESPN, this guy, this analyst, risked his job to say a prayer in front of millions of people, perhaps a worldwide audience. You think about it. When things get desperate, people don't call on the government. They don't call on politicians. They don't call on Mother Nature. They don't call on Elon Musk. They don't call on the CDC or the WEF. People want to go straight to God. They want to hear from God because, again, deep down inside of us, God put that yearning in us. And most people, they may not know why it's there, but when they go through difficult times, that's when they start calling out on the Lord. And I'm telling you, the more that people figure this out and they look at the news or they look at social media or they look at culture and say, I don't think what they're selling 
is correct. I don't think that people are telling the truth. I think, I think it's a kind of, we're, we're, we're in the midst of all of these lies right now. When people really start looking for the truth, they bypass all those things and they look for the Lord, which is why I'm going to say it again. As followers of Jesus Christ and as a church family, what a great time to be alive. Because guess what? We know the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We know the truth of his word, and I hope and pray that God continues to use our church family to reach people who are honestly looking for the truth. Listen, I'm not afraid of culture. I'm not intimidated by this world. I don't fear the future. I'm excited that God chose you and I to be alive in this time and place so that we could be used in his grand plan to make Christ known. Amen? What a great time to be alive. What a great time to be alive. So let's do this. Let's look at the text surrounding this verse about truth. Uh, we're going to know the truth, and the truth is going to set us free. But what, what are we talking about when we say that? And what was Jesus referring to? What we're going to do now is we're going to look at what the context is and what Jesus said before this and afterwards so that we can know exactly what he means, so that we can have the truth, so that we can know the truth, and so that truth can set us free in our own lives. Let me give you some truths about the truth. Truths about the truth. And the first one is this. Christians believe in Jesus. Christians believe in Jesus. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You probably already knew that. But uh, not a shocker, no surprise there, but... It might be more than you're thinking, because we don't just believe about Jesus, we believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. I illustrated this weeks ago uh, with a chair on the stage. Do you remember this? Anybody remember this? <clears throat> Brought a chair on stage. I said, I believe the chair can hold me. I've read the stats on the chair. I've read the owner's manual. I know it can hold my weight. I weigh less than it says that it can hold. And, and I went through that whole deal. I said, but it's not holding me. Why is it not holding me? And the answer was... You're not sitting in it. You're not sitting in it. So you can believe about something or you can believe on something. And that's what faith in Jesus is. It's not just believing about him. It's not just head knowledge, intellectual assent. It's placing our lives in his hands. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we, we are followers of his because, get ready for the prof profundity, not profanity, profundity. We are followers of Jesus Christ because we follow Jesus Christ. We're all in for him, not only as our Savior, but as our Lord. We go where he wants us to go. And Jesus, by the way, can tell when someone's not all in. Okay? Let's go back to verse 30 now, <clears throat> where it says this. As Jesus was saying these things, many believed in him. Many believed in him. Now, I'll let you read the preceding verses, but the summary is this. Jesus is teaching, and people are believing. Is that a good or bad thing? That's a good thing. It's not a trick question. It's a good thing when people believe in Jesus. But Jesus immediately presses them on the authenticity, on the depth, on the genuineness of their belief. It's as if they were believing in the moment, but Jesus knew it wasn't for real. You go back to John chapter 2, where we were in the very first series in the book of John, and uh, uh, many people were believing in Jesus in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part, the Bible says in uh, John 2, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew people. He needed no one to bear witness about them for he knew what was in the heart of man. So he knew they were believing in him, but their belief was lacking 
which leads to the second truth from the text today. Believing leads to abiding. Believing leads to abiding. Listen to me. Salvation happens at a moment in time, but it is proven over a period of time. Salvation happens in a moment, but it's proven over a period of time. Look at verse 31. <clears throat> so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. Now, whenever the term here, the Jews, is used, it's referring to the, the hierarchy of the Jewish religion. So in this case, talking about the Pharisees, there were Pharisees in the crowd. They believed in Jesus, but Jesus said, okay, that's good, that's good. But we're not done yet. Now, if you abide in my word, then you truly are my disciples. You truly are my disciples. This is the test of a true disciple. Abiding is a result of real belief, but it's also a test of true belief. And there is no substitute for abiding. No substitute for abiding. Now, I know sometimes people kind of put another thing in there for abiding. You, you talk to somebody and you say, hey, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Yeah. And, and then they sometimes, sometimes substitute something for abiding. Just a couple of examples here, which I call no substitute for abiding. I prayed the prayer. I raised my hand. I filled out a card. Got baptized. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Because what this is, is a person hears what Jesus did for them on the cross. They respond. And uh, they respond in likewise manner as is called for at their particular church. And, and so they hear that Jesus, what he did for them, they know that they're saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus. And, and so they respond to that. And just so you know, at our church, we baptize. We baptize. And maybe you're thinking, why, why, do you, why does this church baptize? Well, because that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. You go to the book of Acts, every single person that responded to the message of Jesus was baptized. Every single one. Uh, uh, look, for the, look in the book of Acts for someone signing out a card. <laughs> it's not in there. It's not in the book of Acts. Or, neither is raising a hand. Jesus did not say, you know, raise your hand if you want to follow after me. People, people when the disciples preached on, on um, Pentecost, uh, uh, Peter said, they, they said, what do we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized. And that same pattern goes throughout uh, the rest of the New Testament, that we should repent and we should be baptized. So anyway, that's why we do it this way at our church. So, uh, but just because someone knows, for instance, that uh, uh, God has saved us by his grace through faith in Jesus, just because someone knows that doesn't mean that they have done that. Okay? Now I could illustrate this a hundred different ways. I've, I've chosen one. Here it is. Do you know how to get to San Antonio? Okay, a few of you do. Uh, for everybody else, here's how you get there. I-10 <laughs> West. That's it. Drive until you are so bored <laughs> that you can't take it. Actually, actually, actually I-10 West, stop in Luling. Anybody know why? Buckies, all right, Buckies. And then you get back in your vehicle and stay on I-10 West, and eventually you get to San Antonio. <clears throat> so everybody knows, everybody at church today knows how to get to, to San Antonio, correct? You know how? I-10 West, that's it, that's it, I-10 West. Are you in San Antonio? 
No, you know, you know how to get there, but in order to get there, you can't just know you got to go, right? And, and abiding is going with Jesus wherever he leads us. Here's another example that people try to use as a substitute. <clears throat> I grew up in a Christian family. <clears throat> I grew up in a Christian family. Well, I did too, and I loved it, and I'm very thankful for it because uh, it's a good thing when you grow up in a Christian family because they can help point the way, but just because you're from a family of Christ followers doesn't automatically make you a Christ follower. We don't get saved because mom was saved. We don't get saved because dad was saved. We don't get saved because dad was a deacon or mom was a Sunday school teacher or whatever. That's not how we get saved. Listen to me. God does not have grandchildren. He only has children, meaning every single one of us has to make that decision to follow him on our own. Another substitute that people try to use, I do things. I do things like good things. I do good things and <clears throat> awesome. I'm glad that you do. We're supposed to do good things. But did you know that good things, doing good things does not save a person? Did you know that if you nail apples, nail apples to a telephone pole, it does not turn it into an apple tree? <laughs> and Titus chapter 3, verse 5 says, he saved us not because of the good things that we've done, but because of his mercy. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Yeah, okay, do good. We're called to do good, but doing good isn't what saves us. It's Jesus who saves us. Another substitute for abiding that people try to use, I go to church. Awesome, I'm glad. I wish everybody went to church. I really do because I think the world would be a better place, but going to church is good, and I, I do think that I can make the case that it's a command that, that we have in Scripture to, to assemble together. But going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in the garage makes you a car. <laughs> and if that's all you got, like, are you a Christian? Yes, I go to church. So if, how long is that? One hour, unless the pastor's like. <clears throat> it may be a little longer. Uh, so that's it for the week. Yeah, I go to church. I go to church. Okay, so one hour a week, you're, ab you're abiding. You see what I'm saying? It's more than that. Following Jesus is more than that. Here's another one. I'm a good person. Like, like I'm just good. I'm just a good-natured person. And, and uh, again, awesome. We need more good people. However, no one is good enough. By that, I mean no one is perfect. That's why we need Jesus, because he's the only one who's perfect. And honestly, we can be good for a little while. We can. In fact, ever since I've started preaching, most of you have been pretty good. <laughs> Nobody fighting, getting up and hitting their neighbor or anything like that, yelling, doing whatever. Y'all just being paying attention. That's awesome. We can be good for a while, right? We can do that on our own, and uh, that's appreciated, you know, in church. But uh, the real test is ongoing. Again, Jesus says, okay, you guys, you believe. Now, if, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. If you go look for fruit on a fruit tree, let's just say an orange tree, and you're looking for the fruit on the orange tree, and there is fruit there, 
what kind of fruit are you going to find? You're going to find an orange. Right. You're not going to find like meatloaf or something else. You're going to find... You're going to find oranges. And Jesus says, those who claim to be my followers, if you look for fruit in their lives, what you're going to see is a person who's abiding in my word. Meaning they're following him daily through the highs and lows of life. They're abiding and that's all good. But let me tell you what's super, super good. This is where the promise of freedom kicks in. And this is number three, if you're taking notes. Abiding leads to freedom. Abiding leads to freedom. <clears throat> freedom is realized when you know Jesus, when you place your belief in him, when you know the truth of his word, and when you abide in his word. You live in his word. That's where you see the truth. Now, let's, I want to put these verses together because this is all leading us to freedom, Okay. Here we go again, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So there we go. Uh, let, let's work backwards. Uh, free. We're free. What sets us free? The truth sets us free. Where's the truth come from? Well, we got to know it, but where's it come from? We're going back to the next uh, verse behind this. Uh, you are truly my disciples. If you abide in my word, see, there it is. His word is where the truth is. So if you abide in my word, then you're going to know the truth from his word. And the truth from his word, pardon me, will set you free. So it's not just any truth that sets us free. By the way, did you know there's no such thing as your truth and my truth? There's only the truth. Romans chapter 1, you can read this on your own, but Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Rome, and he says what has happened is, he says people have abandoned the worship, the worship of the creator, and they're worshiping the creation. He says they've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They've exchanged the truth of God for a, a lie, and because of that, they've fallen into all manner of sexual sin. And I kind of feel like that's what's happening right now. And I say that because, man, people, let me, let me start this statement with this. I like having clean air, okay, and clean water and so forth. But some people, it's like, my goodness, it's like the climate has become a religion to some people, complete with its sacraments and everything. And uh, I've heard people say recently the world would be a better place if a lot of people were gone. What? Well, and you'll hear this if you listen, and I don't blame you if you don't listen. But someone has said, and, and it keeps getting repeated, that the world would be better off if there was only 600 million people. 600 million. There are billions of people. What are we going to do? <laughs> we're going to have mass human sacrifices for the God of nature. I mean, that's where it feels like it is headed in some ways, and hopefully it never gets there. But I, um, I saw a, a, a Hollywood personality uh, doing a video of herself. <clears throat> it's probably three weeks ago, maybe, whenever they had the, the storms in California. 
and she's doing a video of herself, and so she's got a, the camera pointed at her and over her shoulder, and there's a stream over her shoulder coming down a hill, and it was, there was a lot of water coming down a hill, <clears throat> and it was kind of rainy and gloomy, and she's taking a video, and she says something like this. She says something like this. Mother Nature's angry with us. We need to start doing things differently. We need to pay attention. She's a little bit of a sermonette. And I wanted just to talk to her. And I wanted to tell her, that's actually called rain. <laughs> We're very familiar with it in the state of Texas. And, and you all needed it out there in California because you were in a severe, severe drought. And God and the God of heaven, the true God, has sent rain your direction to fill up your reservoirs once again. You ought to be thanking him instead. But when the earth becomes our God, anything goes, which leads to number four. Fake disciples don't even recognize bondage. <clears throat> Fake disciples don't even recognize bondage. So if someone says they follow Jesus, and a great percentage of Americans would say that they do in some form or fashion, but they don't even realize when they're in bondage to sin, then something is very, very wrong with their view of the truth. Verse 33, they answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? First of all, this is absolutely hilarious. Uh, we've never been enslaved to anyone. Um, I'm thinking the Egyptians. I'm thinking uh, Babylon. I'm, uh, I'm thinking the Assyrians. I'm thinking even at the moment when this was spoken, they were under the control of the Roman Empire. But that's how blind they were to the spiritual reality that Jesus is trying to show them. We've never been enslaved. <laughs> now, application for us, when we pick up our Bible or when we listen to a sermon or in those quiet moments when the Holy Spirit is working on us and we hear about an area of our life where we are in sin, that we need to change, that we need to repent of, and it goes right over our head or it goes in one ear out the other, and we're in denial, and we just basically say by ignoring it, I'm not enslaved. I've never been a slave. Jesus says if that's happening, you, you're in a dangerous place. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. <clears throat> now, practices, practices sin here means a repeated offense, a repeated offense Right now is a critical moment, right, right now. And I believe with all my heart that God brought you to church today on purpose. And so here we are in this moment together. We're going to take communion in not too long. And part of communion is that we are, we are urged before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup that we take some quiet moments and get our hearts right before God. We kind of do an introspection and let the Holy Spirit do an examination and we repent of and we confess of and, and we make things right with God before we do this. This is the time to get right with God. And so I'm just going to ask a couple of questions. Is there a practice sin in your life? Is there a sin that every time it knocks at the door, you just open the door? It knocks, you just open the door. It knocks, you just open the door. Without even thinking about it. It's like you get tempted, just open the door. 
Is there something in your life like that? Is it, I don't know, lust, anger, overeating, gossip, greed? Is there something that you just don't say no to? Romans chapter 8 says, if you open the door every time, that sin knocks your slave to sin. So do you have a sin increasing in control in your life? Listen to me. If your relationship with God is right, if you're abiding with him, what's supposed to be happening is that you're being controlled less and less and less by sin, and you are becoming more and more free. That's the way it's supposed to work. And that comes only through, number five, Jesus. Jesus loves us enough to be honest with us. He loves us enough to call us out on our sin to something better, and that something better is life and freedom in his name. Verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house. Words of Jesus, by the way, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, talking about himself here, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The Bible says in, in uh, John chapter 1, verse 14, that Jesus came full of grace and also truth. In, in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So he wants the best for us. He wants the best kind of life for us. He wants eternal life for us. The devil wants the opposite. So Jesus is telling us the truth about ourselves even when the truth hurts. But the devil's trying to get us comfortable with his lies. And the devil lies all the time. Pop quiz, what percentage of time is the devil lying? 100% of the time. I mean, it's just constant. Every single day, he's bombarding us with lies. A few verses later in the text, um, I'll let you read it, but Jesus, Jesus says, because he, he says his father is God and, and uh, then turns to these guys and says, but your father's the devil. <laughs> your father's the devil. That's Jesus talking to people. Your father is the devil. And then he talks about the devil. He says this in verse 44b, the devil was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. This is the English standard version. The new international version says, when he lies, he speaks his native language for he's a liar and the father of lies. Jesus is saying he lies all the time. The devil lies all the time. He lies, and this is his scheme. He lies and lies and lies and gets others in our culture to repeat the lies, lies, lies until we start believing the lies instead of the truth. I'm telling you where we are right now. We are in the test of abiding right now. As the lies get louder and louder all throughout our culture and every social media platform, every commercial, every movie, every TV show, every song, everywhere we look, the lies are there all designed to get us not to abide in his word so that we won't be free, so that we will be destroyed. That's the devil's scheme. But I'm calling on the people of this church to believe in Jesus Christ with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and to abide in his word and experience the freedom that he wants to give and the joy of salvation, not only 
on this crazy planet that we happen to be on right now, but also in heaven for eternity. At the end of this chapter, I'm not going to read it, and I don't have it memorized, but I'll get close. Very last verse of this chapter, it says, they, they, got, they were so mad at Jesus, they picked up stones to stone him, but he hid himself and then got away. Why? Because it wasn't time for him to die yet. But that time is coming very soon. The time when he would go to the cross, his body would be broken, his blood would be shed so that you could have eternal life. And in some quiet moments before that happened, he spent some time with his disciples and instituted communion. And he said, whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, read this with me, please, do this in... Okay, so today we're going to do it in remembrance of him. We're going to eat the bread. We're going to drink the cup. But before we do, we're going to take a few moments, and we're going to get our hearts right. And so at all of our campuses, if you would just uh, peel back the uh, wrapper there uh, where you can see the piece of bread and take out the piece of bread and just hold the bread for a moment and hold the, hold the cup and let's do this. At all of our campuses, let's just bow our heads. Let's just close our eyes. If there's something that isn't right today between you and God, my goodness, my goodness, take these moments and get right. If you need to confess, if you need to repent, if you need to accept Jesus, like you've never accepted him, you've never placed your faith in him, then in these quiet moments, do it. Make things right with God now. Okay, remembering the fact that Jesus' body was broken for us, let's all take the bread together, please. Then open up the juice. Remembering Jesus' blood shed for us on the cross so that we could have forgiveness and salvation and eternal life, let's drink the juice together. Love you, church family. I want you to stand with me, please. Now, as always at our church, there will be prayer partners down at the front of the room. If uh, you need to talk to somebody today, if you need prayer for something going on, if you want to make a decision for the Lord, or you just did and you want to make that known, then please come and uh, talk to them. Let them pray with you before you leave this place. Let's bow. Heavenly Father, go with us as we go. May we go with you and abide with you. From this point forward, I pray this in your son's name and all the people said. God bless, guys. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.